name is Rob Newfer. The good news is I'm not the normal preacher, so come back next Sunday, okay? The bad news is I'm not the normal preacher, so you're going to have to come back next Sunday. Hey, this morning we're talking, uh, we're in the Christmas season. Christmas is awesome for a lot of reasons. Food, family, fun, presents, right? All these reasons, Christmas is awesome. Religiously, though, since we're here in church, let me give you the reason why Christmas is awesome. We get to take a look at Jesus in these different categories. We get to look at Jesus in ways we wouldn't normally look at him. And so over the past three or four weeks, we've been looking at Jesus as hope, Jesus as joy, Jesus as love, I think, is next week. Well, this week we're looking at Jesus as peace, Jesus Christ as our peace. And so this morning, that's the topic of the sermon. So let me ask you to do this. Would you please rate yourself on a peace scale of 1 to 10? How's your peace doing? Peace scale of 1 to 10. I I saw somebody raise up a (laughs) 2. Isn't Christmas supposed to be a joyous time of the year? We got a 10, all right. Yeah, by the way, that you weren't supposed to do that publicly, so... (laughs) So I won't call any names. Let me, let me help you with this. Let me give you some categories to think in, categories of peace. So let me ask you this. Do we have peace globally? Is there global peace? No. Let me just name a few things. We're not even done in Iraq and Afghanistan. We're, we're heavy at it with Syria. North Korea has always been a problem for us. Iran, Russia, Somalia, Mali, Yemen. How about China. We haven't even talked about from other perspectives. If you ask Israel from their perspective, they're not at peace. If you asked Russia from their perspective, no. Any other country that you ask from their perspective, no peace. Globally, no peace. How about nationally? How about our nation? How are we doing as a country with peace? Now, not domestic, or not um, uh, external affairs, but internal affairs. Like domestically, how are we doing with peace? Well, I'll tell you what, here's what happens every four years. We have this little thing called civil war. I mean, presidential election. (laughs) And the media just gets all over us and says, okay, half of the country, I want you to put on some blue gloves and the other half, you put on some red gloves. And when the bell rings, come out swinging. And for like a year and a half these days, we just brutally beat each other up. As a country, we're divided, no peace. How about 1975? That was the year we declared war on babies. As a country, do we have peace as a nation? No, I haven't even talked about social injustices, economic injustices. As a nation, do we have peace? No. How about interpersonally? Now, this is a fun one. Uh, Three short weeks ago, Beth and I had a marriage moment that lasted for about three days. No peace. How about you? How are you doing, like, interpersonally? With your coworkers, with your boss, with uh, with friends and family, how you doing with peace? Well, that one we may be doing a little better on the nationally or globally, but no peace. How about interpersonally? Now, this is when you put your head on the pillow at night, when the world, when sin, when everything that's been impacted on you by the world, you put your head on the pillow at night. Do you have peace interpersonally? Like inside, peace. And again, some of you may be doing better than others. So again, peace scale, 1 to 10. How you doing? 1 to 10, peace scale. All right, well, this morning, again, we're going to be talking about peace. Here's how we're going to tackle it. I think we're going to ask these questions. 
First of all, we're going to try to define what is peace. We're going to define it biblically. What is peace? And then we're going to ask why we don't have peace. And then we're going to see how Jesus Christ secured our peace for us. How Jesus Christ secured our peace for us. So when you walk away from here, the one thing that I hope that you'll get is this. Jesus Christ secured our peace with God through the blood of the cross. Jesus Christ secured our peace with God through the blood of the cross. So if you don't get anything else, please get that. Jesus Christ secured our peace with God through the blood of the cross. Okay, so the first question we have to ask is, what is peace? So when I say peace, what do you think of? I mean, let's play word association, peace. It's the first thing that comes to your mind. Contentment, okay, I like that, good answer. Most of us, uh, contentment is along the lines. We think of some inner tranquility as far as personal peace. And then as far as peace broadly, we think of what? Anti-war, no war. I mean, that was the motto of the 60s, right? Peace, peace, man. So we think of no war. We think of some sense of inner tranquility. That's what I think we think of when we think of peace. I want to give you a, 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 a little bit different definition from the Bible. And so what I'm going to argue for just a minute is that peace is all of creation in harmony with the creator and the creator enjoying his creation. And so peace is creation in harmony with creator and the creator taking joy in his creation. So let me read from Genesis chapter 1. I'll start in verse 28. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And so God, at the end of his creation, blesses it and says, very good. And you know what happens on the seventh day? God enters into his rest. He enters into the joy of his creation. And so peace is when all of creation is in harmony with its creator, and the creator is enjoying the creation. I don't know, any of you creators out there? Any of you create anything? I, I, I'm a wannabe artist. I'm a wannabe musician. Sometimes I pick up the guitar and I think, well, God's just going to make it happen today. And I make this horrid noise. Not good. When I try to paint something, I have something in my mind, I paint it. Not good. My creation is not in harmony with its creator. I wad it up, throw it in the garbage. I take the guitar, I smash it. <laughs> now you, I don't know. Uh, well, here's another example that... that maybe better, but uh, I'm a gun nut, like not a super gun nut. Matter of fact, I was talking to one of the guys at the, um, at the camp out and he said, oh yeah, I even love cleaning guns. He said, the smell of hops number nine. He said, I would wear it as cologne if I could. <laughs> I put a little dab behind my ear. I'm not that much of a gun nut, but I'm close. But anyway, I got a new gun. And so I, I had a, a scope mounted on it. Now I love nothing more than when you line up the crosshairs on the little dot in the middle of the target or the animal, whatever you're shooting at, that the bullet goes exactly where you want it to go. To me, that's harmony with the creator. My gun and I are in harmony. We're in peace. And I love my gun. I enjoy it. When it doesn't, I don't enjoy it. See how that works? 
Are you a creator? Have you created anything? In your mind, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to come out on paper or pottery or, or the music that I've created or whatever. You want it to be just this way. When it is this way, what happens? You're enjoying it. That's peace. Listen, God created the world. He had a purpose in mind for humanity. And when it was done on the sixth day, he said, this is good. This is very good. And there was peace with the creator and with the creation. That's peace. Now, I've got a couple of definitions for you from some theological workbook types things. So we're going to see if my definition holds. Evangelical Dictionary of Theology. You almost want to say that with a British accent. The Evangelical Dictionary of Theology says completeness, wholeness, or soundness. Peace has reference to health, prosperity, wellness, security, as well as quiet from war. So far, I think the definition holds. Theological workbook of the Old Testament. And then this is the word shalom. You've probably heard this before, but this is the Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament, shalom. The the theological word book of the Old Testament says that shalom and its word group is one of the most important theological words in the Old Testament. And here's how they define it. Completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment, the idea of unimpaired relationships, like this is how most relationships go, unimpaired relationships, it says, with others and fulfillment in one's undertakings. And so again, what is peace? Peace is when the creation is in harmony with its creator. So now we've got to ask the question why we don't have peace. Why we don't have peace. And again, what I, what I think I'll argue in this point is that sin results in a lack of peace because sin is the creation in rebellion against its creator. So when the, when the creation rebels against its creator, there's lack of peace. Listen, God made us for harmony with him. He made us for relationship with him. We, when we are in rebellion against that, we don't have peace. So we'll take a look at a few scripture references Starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so right away we see when the creation falls... When we tell God, no, we do not trust you, you do not have our best interest in mind, I think Satan does. Really? We are in rebellion against our creator. And right away, you see what happened to Adam and Eve. Suddenly, the God that they loved and they enjoyed and he enjoyed them, now they're scared. And if you, and if you follow the story a little bit, it's interesting what happens. God says, Adam, what's going on? He says, it's the woman. And, and God says to the woman, which, no, never mind. This is, this is a poor place for a joke. <laughs> and, then, and then he asks the, the woman what's going on, and he says, the serpent. I mean, here we are playing the blame game. It's everybody's fault but mine. Listen, when, when, when the creation is in harmony with the creator, we have peace. That's the way God made it to be. But here we are in rebellion with our creator, and so there's a lack of peace. Now, There's a key verse, I think, that will help us understand, in my opinion, the history of the world, but maybe that's a little too broad. Let me me say Genesis 3 and verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
And so God makes a promise very early when he's cursing the serpent. He makes a promise and he says, hey, guess what? There's going to come a day. Well, not only that, there's, there's going to be a period of time where there is going to be enmity. There is going to be strife between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. But there's hope. Christmas, huh? There's hope. There's going to come a day when the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. But in the, in the between time, guess what, folks? We are at enmity. That is war. That is strife. That is discord. We are at enmity, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Now, let me see if I can tease that out just a little bit. So, I'm going to lay some verses on you guys. There's about four or five verses I'm going to lay on you. What I'm trying to show here is that there is, in some way, Satan was given some authority over this earth. I think that's why there is perpetual discord. I think that's why there is a perpetual lack of peace is because there is some sense that Satan has authority in this world and the seed of the serpent is what causes discord or enmity or lack of peace. So let's see if, let's see if we can get there from here. So let's start in Luke 4 and verse 5. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This is when Jesus Christ was tempted of Satan, okay, right after his baptism. Let me read it again. And the devil took Jesus, took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And so Satan, it appears, has some authority to give authority to Jesus Christ. He's claiming, all right? So that's one verse. Another verse is in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience, Here's something to apply to ourselves. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Key, though, in there, following the prince of the power of the air. So if we are sons of disobedience, it's because we are following the prince of the power of the air. I would submit that it's because we are the seed of the serpent. 1 John 5 says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And then this will be the last verse for this little section. It says, 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 3, and even if our gospel is, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so it should not surprise us, right off the bat, right after the fall, when Cain kills Abel, 1 John chapter 3 says, Cain is of the seed of the serpent. Now look, folks, there's really two choices here. We're either the seed of the serpent or the seed of the woman. God has made it possible, and we'll get to that in just a moment, for us to be, for us to be adopted and are pulled into the family of the seed of the woman or children of God. But we're born in this world in such a situation where the prince of the power of the air is daddy. Let me see if I can uh, uh, prove that. 
So John, I think 1 John 3 does it, but John chapter 8, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, in, starting in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God. Listen, Jesus is talking here to the religious leaders of Israel. He is talking to the, the most religious people you would ever know. People that fill churches. I mean, that's who he's talking to. He's talking to us. People who spend their time worshiping God, who fill churches. He's talking to them. And listen to what he says. He says, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say to you? Is it because you cannot bear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so... Jesus says to the religious leaders of the day, you're of your father, the devil. Look, why don't we have peace? It's because when humanity trusted Satan to meet their needs, there was a certain amount of authority given to him. We took our trust and our hope and our, everything that we wanted from God and we gave it to Satan. And God makes a promise. The seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman will be at enmity. But Christmas, there's coming a day when the ultimate seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, is going to crush the head of Satan. So the question is, whose side are you on? But look, listen, why don't we have peace? We don't have peace because the creation is in rebellion with the creator. Okay, so we answered the question, what is peace? Creation in harmony with creator. Why don't we have peace, creation, and rebellion? So we've got to have an answer. So that's what we're going to get to now. We're going to look at how Jesus Christ has secured our peace. Okay, so let me start, start by just letting you know that God has made, he's promised peace ever since the fall. As a matter of fact, we talked about Genesis 3 and verse 15. God said, hey, there's coming a day when I'm going to restore peace, and that's going to happen through the seed of the woman, the ultimate seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. He's going to come and restore our peace. Now, the prophets picked up on this theme, and they have been preaching it. Let me give you a very Christmassy verse that you may enjoy. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. The Prince of Peace is coming. He's bringing a new kingdom. We've been talking about kingdom language lately. He's he's ushering in a kingdom. And it's going to be be a kingdom marked by peace. You know, it's no doubt. uh, It shouldn't surprise us when Jesus starts preaching on the mount that he starts saying, hey, the values of this world, I'm going to turn those on their head. The values of this world are what? Blessed are the proud and arrogant. I mean, we see all you got to do is watch football or watch sports or just watch the people who are most successful. Blessed are the arrogant. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. In this world, what do we think? Hey, blessed are the rich. Those guys are awesome. I wish I was rich. Jesus says, no, no, no. Blessed are the poor. He takes the values of this world and turns them on their head. How can you explain that? He says, when somebody strikes you, Get all up in their face and hit them back. No, 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 no. That's what the world preaches. Jesus says, when somebody hits you, you turn to him the other cheek. I want you to be people of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And oh, by the way, Jesus, what else? He promises us that in this world, we're going to see what? Persecution. 
He says, why? Because the world hates me. The seed of the serpent hates the seed of the woman. I mean, look at, guess what happened when Jesus was born? Herod comes along. I mean, you could trace this all the way back to to the time of the Jews in the Exodus. What did Pharaoh do? He said, oh, they're getting too much. Kill all the boys. What is that? There's enmity between who? Between Satan and between God. Between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. You come to Jesus' birth, what happens? Herod's starting to get jealous. He's getting nervous. There's a king, and it's not me. I got a good idea. Kill them all. Kill them all. Go to Jerusalem. Go to that area surrounding Bethlehem. Kill them all. All the babies two years and later. What is that? Come on, you know what it is. It's the seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. But Jesus, birth, death, that's what we're going to be talking about. So again, the point I'm really trying to make is, hey, God has promised peace. And that peace, that theme of peace was picked up from the prophets. And so Jesus, or God has been saying, there's coming a time of peace. And guess what we celebrate at Christmas? The birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of the, the peace bringer. He makes peace. Well, how does he do that? So let's look at Romans chapter 5. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means creation back in harmony with creator. Huh? Is that not good news? How does that happen? It says through Jesus Christ. You want harmony with your creator. You want to come back into that peaceful relationship. There's only one way. And that is through Jesus Christ. Let me explain a couple of terms in here. You've got justification and faith. So let's back up just a little bit and come to Romans 3, starting in verse 21 through 25. Let's look at that for just a moment. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. Listen to this verse. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, listen to what this is saying. God created us for what? Psalm 8 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou carest for him? You've made him a little lower than the angels, but you've crowned him with honor and glory. Listen, what did God make us for? Honor and glory. He's crowned us with honor and glory. What is this saying? We have fallen short of the glory that God created us for. Again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but he's dead. He doesn't mind. (laughs) Uh, We're not in harmony with our creator. God's doing something about that, and he's doing it through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that whole section again. I think it's that important. But now the righteousness of God, Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God. Listen, you know what, you know what Adam was missing when he sinned against God? Suddenly he, he, he had a loss of righteousness. That nakedness that he experienced, that nakedness that he felt, he had a loss of righteousness. How's God going to fix that? What's he going to do? How's he going to bring us back into harmony? Oh, there's a righteousness from God. There's a righteousness from God available to us, folks. How's, how are we going to be back in relationship with our creator? He's got to do something. He's got to bring us back in. He's going to give us a righteousness. There's a foreign righteousness. We can't get there from here. Anybody ever tried? Even in religious circles, in churches today, we try and we try and we try. We think, oh, if I just do this and if I just do this, my righteousness will be restored to me. If you don't believe me, think of the excuses you make for every wrong thing you do. I love driving. It reveals my inner character so much. <laughs> I drive and I pull out in front of somebody 
well, I have a reason for doing it. I'm late, or I didn't see them, but when somebody pulls out in front of me, there is no mercy. That person is a beep, 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 beep. I don't really see it. Check. You see what I'm saying, though? Listen, it reveals our character. We make excuses. We want to we be righteous. Well, how do we get that? There's a foreign righteousness. It's from God. Listen to what it says. Therefore, uh, check. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this justification through faith, that's what God's saying. That's the answer. You want to be united to your creator? That's the answer. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is the substitutionary atonement, big words. This means that God put forth Jesus Christ as as a propitiation, as an appeasement of the wrath of God. Jesus Christ took the wrath of God for us. And when we, by faith, accept that, what happens? God is pleased. Listen, who's the only pleasing one since Adam? I know God found favor in a few eyes. He says, I found favor in Noah's sight and Enoch. Uh, he, he found favor in Abraham, right? But when God, who, who, was the, who was the right Adam? Who was the one that obeyed? Who was the one that did everything right? Jesus. And so when Jesus is baptized, what does God say? This is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. You want to be well pleasing to the father? You want the father to enjoy his creation again? It's through Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. See, that's how it works. Peace, harmony with our creator. How do we get that? Through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And it's justification by faith. Romans 3.28 talks about this again. For we hold one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. There's nothing we can do. This is a gift of God. I think I'm rehearsing stuff you guys already know, but that's okay. All right, so let's look at Romans 5.1 again. Because now it puts these words together. Justification, faith, peace. Romans 5, 1 again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has done something on the cross. He's justified us. And by faith in that, we have harmony with our creator. There's one more verse that I think is, is important that I want to look at with regards to this peace that God has made. Because so far we've been talking about our peace with God. But all of creation, Romans 8 says, all of creation is in this rebellious state or needs, at least needs redemption or needs reconciliation. So look with me at Colossians 1 and verse 19. It says, for in him, all the fullness of God, this is in Christ, for in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ has made peace for us and for this whole world, really, by the blood of his cross. And so at Christmas, when we get to celebrate Jesus, I mean, we're celebrating the little baby, but what did he come to do? He came to get on that cross by the blood of his cross to reconcile the creation to its creator. And so when Jesus comes and ushers in the kingdom and says, I'm the king, he's giving us opportunity to follow him to enter into that relationship, to enter into that peace with God. It's only available in him. Okay, so we talked about what is peace. 
We talked about why we don't have peace, and we talked about how Jesus Christ secured our peace for us by the blood of his cross. And so what I want to do quickly is just ask a couple of questions. Again, let me have your peace scale, 1 to 10. How you doing? Do you have peace? I mean, primarily the question I want to ask you today is, do you have peace with God? It's only available in Christ Jesus. Do you have peace with God through Jesus Christ? And then how are you doing with your relationships? I think if that one's fixed, it makes the other ones a lot better. I mean, yeah, Beth and I still have some unpeace moments. I'm assuming that maybe you guys do in your relationships too. Maybe your relationship with your boss, maybe coworkers. But if we get that one right, if we get that one right, our peace with God, then what? Then it makes peace with others even possible. I don't think it's even possible before that. So how are you doing with peace? Scale of one to 10. How's your peace with God? Have you been justified by faith? And do you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of his cross? Let me leave you with a, uh, just a couple of verses. Uh, John 14 and 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Listen to the context. The context is in the coming of the Holy Spirit. In the context of Jesus Christ sending the Holy Spirit, he says, my peace I'm going to leave with you. Listen, part of being born again is the gift of the Spirit. That's how we experience Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. And he says, my peace I leave with you. Jesus Christ has made his peace available to us. Is Is there any question why the fruit of the Spirit it's peace, among other things. Why? Because Jesus Christ has left the spirit of peace on us. And so, spirit of God, peace. And then notice what else he says. Not as the world giveth, give I to you. I don't know how... There's a couple different ways to think through this, but listen, if, if we try to seek work, peace apart from Jesus Christ, man, we got problems. How many people know that? How many people have tried to find fulfillment or tried to find peace or tried to find any kind of happiness or joy or anything apart from Jesus Christ? Man, I know that better than anybody. I've tried just about every trick in the book. It leaves you wanting. I mean, sex, power, money, uh, uh, fame, try all those things. I mean, I haven't had much of any of them, but still, nevertheless, uh, try them. I mean, ask, ask the hoi polloi, ask the, the culturally elite how you doing? I guarantee you at night when their heads hit the pillow, there's not a lot of peace. But listen, we run to all these different things. We run to food and we run to sex and we run to drugs and uh, we run to relationships. We run to uh, power. Boy, if I just get that promotion. If we, look, we run to all kinds of stuff, folks. You know, I know. But where is it available? Only in Jesus Christ, only through the blood of the cross. That's where we have peace. So if you're running around all these different things, guess what? God says, hey, I make it available to you through my Holy Spirit. No, by the way, it's not the way the world gives it to you. Because when the world gives me peace, it lasts for a couple minutes. It lasts for a couple of days. It lasts for a little while. That's no kind of peace. God wants you to have lasting peace in Jesus Christ. That's why he's reconciled you through the blood of his cross. One other verse, it says, I have said, the, uh, John, John 16, 33. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. 
I have overcome the world. Again, Jesus Christ was the faithful one. He was the obedient one. He was the true Adam. He was well-pleasing to the Father. And if you want to hear those words, this is my beloved son or daughter. This is my beloved child. With him I am well-pleased. I mean, I could say your name. Put your name in there. This is my beloved Rob or Beth or Tom or... You want to be well-pleasing to the Father? It's in Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going to transition now to ministry time if the band wants to come up. Let me just ask you this. Listen, during this ministry time, this is an opportunity for you to respond to the call of God. What's God been saying to you this morning through his word? What's he been saying to you? Look, if you don't have peace with God, there's no reason to walk out of this church today without it. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood so that you could have peace with God. That's available to you. God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we could have peace. He's left his peace with us. So a couple things I'd love to see. If you don't have peace with God this morning, come up here. There's going to be people here to pray with you, and they want to tell you how you can get that. They want to lead you in a prayer so that you could do that. Again, if you don't have peace with somebody sitting next to you or somebody in this room, grab them by the hand. Come on forward. Hey, this is a place to figure it out, guys. Jesus Christ has done the work. We, we lean into him. We trust into him for our peace. And then if you just are restless at night when you put your head on the pillow and you just lack peace, come on forward. Somebody wants to pray with you. All right, let me pray with you real quick and then we'll, um, we'll get a little bit more worship and then we'll, we'll close things out. Father in heaven, we do love and we do praise you. We do thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your work on the cross that has brought peace to us. Uh, I'm going to ask, Lord God, that you would um, fill this place with peace. I pray that you would help us to submit to you as the only one who can do that for us. We thank you for that in your name. Amen.